This is episode four of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up, J.Crew partners with Nordstrom. Walmart cutting accountants. Lobots and fading lows. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone. Today is Friday, September 2nd, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and as always, I'm joined by Jose Chan. There's been a lot of talk about J. Crew this week, Jose, and a lot of talk about revenues, you know, their quarter over quarter revenue issues, year over year revenue issues, um, in addition to a new partnership they have. So we've dug up a couple articles. Um, one of them from, I believe this is from... A mix of retail wire and retail dive. Jaku reported Wednesday a second quarter total revenue decline of four percent down to five hundred sixty nine million amid what CEO Mickey Drexler called a challenging traffic environment. I don't know what challenging traffic environment means, but maybe Jose, you can interpret that for us. Sure. For a second, um, just to uh, add a little bit more color on it. In addition to that, so there are challenges with revenues. They're also going to sell an edited assortment of its flagship J.Crew brand, this is a quote, uh, at select Nordstrom full-line stores and on Nordstrom.com beginning September 12th. That's just in a week and a half. Nordstrom will display an assortment of women's apparel and accessories at 16 of its 121 full-line stores with petite sold online only. So a lot of stuff happening there with J.Crew this week uh, with their earnings announcement. So Jose, what, what is challenging traffic environment? What, what does that mean to you? That's a really good question, right? So if you think of um, the way a, a very, let's say, standard retail metric, it's usually traffic, meaning the number of people coming into your store. So what they're saying essentially is uh, most likely the number of people coming into the store uh, month over month, this year versus last year, usually, usually that's how you compare figures, is lower this year compared to last year. And you could do that for different time periods. So it sounds like they don't have enough people walking to the stores, meaning you have exactly less traffic. And why does this happen? And you know, I, I think uh, to, to continue to you know elaborate on, on your question, it's simply because omnichannel, uh, of course, of online is an important component of this, along with brick and mortar, continues to, let's say, take uh, physical bodies out of stores and moving them towards mobile, laptop, let's say, purchases, mm -hmm. any type of internet purchases. So that, that's really what we're seeing here. Moreover, I think if you look at the product in the stores, uh, if you look at their 10K, what's more, or older, let's say, reports from J. Crew, what's really been doing well for them has been made well. And yeah, well, right. It is right. doing well. That's it's picking up a lot of the slack for them right now, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. The only problem that is a proportion of the business in terms of hard concrete numbers and revenues, it's not a big component of the overall business. Yeah, so that's true. even though it's doing well, it's not doing well enough to pick up the slack that's being lost in the flagship J. Crew stores. Right. And if you look at their plans to open new stores, which there is, they're their plan to fix this, according to the earnings call this past week, is to open up new stores, right? So they're they're gonna what they what they said, what they outlined in one of these articles, 
is that they op- they plan to open 36 new stores this year, um, three flag- flagship J. Crew retail locations, 23 factory stores, which is the bulk of all this, which is interesting, and only 10 of the Madewell stores. So you're right. I mean, it's, it is a small percentage, but I wonder if over the next couple of years or if they might change that at some point. Hopefully, and hopefully it won't be too late, right? Which is part of this idea of also opening Nordstrom, which is something you mentioned, which is quite important because uh, that gives them access to, I guess, uh, a distinct consumer than that uh, customer that would normally walk into a freestanding J. Crew store. The the issue here, though, if you think about it, Todd, it's why let's go back to this issue of Madewell. Uh, Why are they doing well? Well, I think. Uh, and this is going to get a little bit more qualitative, mm-hmm. um, but it's it seems the design there and the pricing, uh, which isn't as qualitative, is much cleaner than if you looked at the J. Crew. I think with the J. Crew product, it looks the same, and I think they've been missing the mark. And as you oh. know, it's very this is a very emotional industry <laughs> yeah. where customers need a reason to buy uh, rather than. Um, just by, you can only have the same stuff, um, X amount of the same stuff in your closet. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's a lot of the, um, in in these articles, they're talking about, can J crew bring back that consistency, that, that classic feel, but maybe people don't want that anymore. You know, maybe you can't bring it back because no one wants it. Maybe it's a whole, you know, it's a different generation, different style that does well now, maybe even a different approach in the stores that they're getting right in the Madewell stores. Um, so it, yeah, it, that part of it could be a complete change for them. And I, I wonder how fast they'll adapt to it or if they're going to be, you know, sticking on that, in that path of we're going to stick with these, you know, these J crew stores, which looks like, honestly, they're opening up more factory stores <clears throat> than, than regular, you know, new stores. But that's because they're already probably saturated with new stores, right. With their existing normal, uh, uh, retail stores. Exactly, which is, I think, the tried and true formula. Let's expand, open more, right. increase revenue, rather than saying, "Look, we have product that's awesome. We have people coming in. Let's organically grow our business by expanding classifications yeah. uh, or categories, departments, however you want to uh, couch it, that uh, makes sense to our existing collections." Yeah, well, you know, let's see if they embrace embrace Madewell, if they embrace the the Nordstrom thing, and. It's kind of weird. The the Nordstrom assortment, <clears throat> excuse me, is going to be just women's apparel. Yeah, because I think it, it, it kind of it. If you think about it, why why would they strategically do this? Well, uh, women's apparel is the larger proportion of the business, yep. and generally, to grow a business, let's say, and maintain margin and hopefully profitability, um, then you would take the biggest chunk of your business and expand that rather than the other way around. And maybe Fair point. Fair point. Yep. if, if they were able to have success with the women's collection at Nordstrom, which I wish them well, hope that they do, then maybe men's will follow. But I think what you'll probably see is after this initial test at Nordstrom, uh, they will then continue to open more doors and it's a wait and see type of scenario. And women's may be the stronger, uh, the stronger portion of J. Crew's business, anyway, right? Exactly. That combined with Nordstrom makes sense. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, good luck to them. We'll we'll keep our eyeballs on them too. So Walmart is cutting accountants. 
but not in the way you might think. So apparently Walmart has, and this was on fortune.com, uh, they said, I'll read the quote first, Walmart will cut some 7,000 accounting and invoicing positions within its U.S. stores as the discount retailer redeploys workers, that's a key word, redeploys workers to improve in-store customer service. So it looks like what they're doing here is they're taking a role that they're trying to automate um, or they're trying to centralize perhaps and convert it into something else. So they're trying to convert that into something that boosts in-store customer service or the customer experience, which is a common theme we've seen here. And we're going to talk about something else after this that is another effort to do that, just a whole different angle. But it looks like Walmart's trying to take existing existing people that they have employed and in one possibility of this is to literally flip them over to a customer facing role, uh, which which is pretty interesting. I mean, it's it's maybe low cost for them in a way or low risk, perhaps, you know, and they're able to kind of make use of that role just in a different way. Right. Which I think is great. I think, Todd, to that point, I mean, it, it's, I think, positive when a company, rather than letting uh, people um, go, yeah. is able to pretty much try to find a home for them within the organization. Not that they're going to be 100% successful, but at least they're trying and making an effort, which is more, um, you know, it, it's sometimes the best you could do in, in light of a, let's say, tough situation or business decision that you have to take sometimes. Right. And it looks like they're going to get, when you look at, you know, the cost per employee or the value they get per employee, uh, retailers lately have been seeing greater value when kind of covering, like we talked about last episode, covering that square footage with more employees. You know, you don't want to have too much square footage per employee because then, you know, that coverage, that the ability for an employee to, to help someone who walked in your store uh, falls off falls off the roof. Um, and that's what they're trying to do here is they're trying to kind of put more workers on the floor and make it a better experience for, uh, uh, for, for people walking in. So, um, and again, there's that a blurb here in the article was that they're trying to give people a reason to shop at its stores rather than on amazon.com. So that back and forth again, between Amazon and Walmart slash jet.com is another theme we're seeing here, but it seems to be more of a situation that is that is about uh, affects I would say affects Walmart way more than it affects Amazon. Absolutely, you know what? The, the only win, way to win, let's say the the battles. Uh, I'm not going to say war, but individual battles against Amazon yeah. is to use the tool that they have that Amazon doesn't have. And what is that tool? That tool is actually the human element, right? Yeah. Because all of the retailers that are scared. Of Amazon, that is the brick and mortar retailers, uh, specifically, actually have human capital that could be used, or human beings, or sales associates that could be the differentiating factor, which is the key uh, between Absolutely. themselves yeah. or X retailer and Amazon. Not saying that that's the only thing that they should do. Sure, they should adapt other, let's say, strategies like uh, you know uh, technology, as Amazon has done. As of yet, other than the bookstores that we know of, uh, Amazon isn't physical. So up until Amazon decides to fully go <laughs> into the physical realm, that is one key piece of ammunition that retailers have. Right. And, you know, and they're going to have their hands full with Walmart because, I mean, Walmart is, they're like the king of, of 
brick and mortar. I mean, there, there are countless case studies written about them, right? And it seems like um, just as much press Amazon gets, there's a fair amount there for Walmart for whatever reasons. And granted, it's not always perfect, but still, in this case, when you when you see moves like this, it's a really good sign for a uh, for a retailer that wants to stay alive and to keep you know pushing its brand and to keep improving its experience for customers and you know making better use of their biggest one of their biggest uh one of their biggest costs or expenses or assets in a way or, or their employees so absolutely and yeah. like if you think about it i mean i i think if you and i were to think about our own experiences right yeah in, individually it, if it's a really positive personal experience face to face that speaks volumes for any given let's say um moment or let, let, let's say interface that we have with a, with a retailer, whether it's like a CVS getting a, I don't know, candy bar or whether it's buying a pair of shoes for, from a sales associate at XYZ retailer. Mm. Once it's positive, uh, then you, you kind of go back more. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, as you were saying that though, cause I, maybe it's a CVS thing for me, but I, I generally don't like to be approached you know, when I go into certain stores and this is going to be, I think a dynamic that uh, Walmart and other retailers, well, is a dynamic they face all the time, but you know, how do they balance that having lots of people on the floor to help people to get in their face and can I help you today? What are you looking for? Can I help you? What you, you know, find something. Did you find everything you need? Da, 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 all these questions, right? Um, for some stores, I don't like to be bugged. You know, I like to walk in get my stuff that I know I need. And if I really need something, I'm going to ask somebody. But I guess that's the key right there is when you need something, is there someone there to ask? And, you know. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up, right? Because the, the reason I mentioned CVS was because usually uh, when I – I'm not sure if you've noticed this. But in the last few months, what I've noticed is that rather than have sales associates mm-hmm. uh, around asking you, do you need help with this or that, which happens, uh, there's someone up front asking you if they could help you with anything. And sometimes if it's a something, if I'm walking in for something that I normally don't walk in for, it's a quick way of getting info and being more efficient. Ah, I see. So right there, right when you walk in. Yeah. Mm. Rather than, you know, maybe I could help you find this brand or that. I would see it, that customer service element, Mm -hmm. let's say being, meaning different things, to different retailers because for each retailer you're in a different context right so i i said cvs that's a convenience store for the most part so that that's more Very true. quick quick in quick out so that there's one way of doing customer service and i think what they're doing is one way of approaching it right but then the other way if it's a shoe sale that you're looking for there that that might be a little bit more personalized right because yeah. that, that that that's you know it's not that often uh perhaps don't know uh, that that one buys a pair of shoes. Um, it varies for everyone, but I, I, I'm not in a shoe store that often. But I'd like to get customer good customer service because I, I want to make sure that they're comfortable and right, it's right. the right um, style for me because I'm going to spend a good chunk of my day <laughs> in those shoes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and you know we'll have to see how how Walmart. You know, we're, we're clearly going to talk about them again, but I uh, want to see how this how this transition for them goes. We've got some some robots invading Lowe's here, and uh, Lowe's. Now, 
when when you mentioned this, Jose, you mentioned this before the show, and immediately thought it was a gimmicky kind of thing because you know we 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 went to NRF this past year and National Retail Federation show in New York City, and that show had you know a bunch of those kind of higher tech, newer tech type things in a in a little display area <clears throat> on the floor we were on, and it had a robot there. And the robot was to interface with customers and to, you know, to maybe ask questions or for the customer to interact with it, asking questions or whatever. Um, it seemed gimmicky to me, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, man, we, we've got some we've got some service robots at Lowe's. And uh, given my experience with with shopping at Lowe's or Home Depot, I don't know, maybe they could be a little more helpful than some of the actual employees. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is cool. I mean, what what else do you know about this? What's what's going on here? Well, this is really interesting, right, Todd? So yeah. what they're doing is they're actually uh, introducing uh, what they're calling Lobots at eleven stores, uh, and they're rolling them out uh, throughout the San Francisco Bay Area over the next seven months. And this Lobot is a uh, Navi. Uh, autonomous robot, and it's going to make its first appearance next month in San Jose. So what they're trying to do is to automate certain things that, let's say, can be automated, right? So mm -hmm. uh, if you need a price scan, you could actually scan your item. A lot of times it, it, it's frustrating when you go to a retailer for whatever uh, reason it doesn't have a price and you have to find a pricing machine here they could do that for you automatically yep. uh, and maybe answer simple questions right that you might have that uh, or just a standard flavored question that someone might ask where is xyz uh, product uh, very simple and then it facilitates and makes things much more efficient yeah so i'm looking at it right now actually i did a quick google search and i'm on fellowrobots.com slash navi n-a-v-i-i -I. and it's kind of neat yeah it looks i mean it looks like a uh little kiosk you'd normally go up to and to check the price on something but it looks like it also is mobile obviously <clears throat> and it's got a what it looks like an ipad type screen you know it's a, your classic tablet type screen it says that it's um well there's a front screen and back screen but the one that's actually interactable looks like the front screen it's like 19 and a half inches and it's about five feet tall uh, and they show it what looks like Lowe's. They show it uh, zipping around um, all the different uh, the different aisles in Lowe's. One one of them is walking next. It's rolling next to somebody. So it's kind of cool. It actually looks very useful from what I can see. Um, I could you know it almost looks like a portable where am I now type thing and where do I go to find this type thing and lead me there. Show mm -hmm. me. That's, sure. That's kind of cool. You know. That is show pretty me. Cool. So. And if you think of the strategy, right, so what, what, what you're doing is you're essentially leaving the simple recommendations to the robots, right, or any, any simple processes, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then this way, Lowe's employees could pretty much spend more of their time with thoughtful, personalized service um, to the customers, which kind of relates to what we were talking about with Walmart, right? It's more about this, an angle on customer service. Mm -hmm. and and giving them things that are much more, giving them a better experience, if you will, overall. Yeah, this this looks neat. I mean, they, uh, what you said there I think is really important, and I do wonder, uh, as far as the recommendations, um, is it equipped to do that? You know, outside of just, oh, you want you want to know where uh, latex paint is. It's in 
aisle seven, let me walk you there. But does it also say, hey, uh, while you're there, there's paintbrushes over here and there's also buckets in this aisle. And you may also want to get a tarp hmm. that's over here. Is it going to start, you know, is it going to start being like, uh, you know, a, a, a hyper intelligent employee knowing exactly what the most commonly purchased items are together and to recommend that to the to whoever's whoever they're, you know, they're walking around with, you know, it says it has voice recognition, inventory scanning, auditing, the basic stuff, integration sure. with ERP software, you know, navigation and, uh, you know, obstacle avoidance, it says, which is great. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, how intelligent will it become? And that's what's interesting to me. That's a really good sure. question. I, yeah. I think at least in the first 1.0 version, just the basics, right? And yeah. then they they could see, can they really block and tackle uh, decently? And then once people, of course, it's all we, we know it's all about the process, assuming that individuals and human beings actually take to this, which it seems like they might if it's done well, uh, then the next step might be to do exactly what you're saying. And then that's a big question mark. How will it happen? How quickly will it happen? Mm-hmm. And will it become a trend? Or is it just an experiment uh, to try to, let's say, embrace this whole concept of omnichannel? Right, possibly. Or will people just crowd around it and stare at it and poke it? <laughs> no, <laughs> poor Navi. I mean, uh, yeah, poor Navi is right. Um, and maybe you look at some of you think about some of the the people going in there. I know contractors for sure are going to be like, you know, Navi, get get out of my way. I, I know what I need. I know what I need. Okay, I need lots of lots of wood. I need lots of this and that. I'm good. I come here all the time. But it's for those maybe that aren't as familiar and uh, and are willing to embrace something like that. So you know, San Fran's a great place to start. The higher tech areas are a great place to start. You know, I'm not sure how this would how this would fly in in you know random Midwest town. Uh, with the lows, but we'd have, you know, we'll have to see. And I am hopefully, you know, I'm in Boston. I hope it comes to Boston and I'd love to, uh, love to go have a, have a chat with Navi. We'll see what happens in New York. <laughs> yeah, that too. I, w- I would guess actually for you, I'm wondering if it would come there first, who knows? Probably they go, they go to the largest cities first, right. And, uh, and have a nice test bed there. Or maybe last, right. Because it's a tough place since everyone's always rushing. <laughs> It's it's true. It's true. And I wonder if Home Depot is going to do something like this. Who knows? I mean, I don't think it's to the point yet where, you know, it's a competitive thing, right? It seems like an experimental thing. I mean, it is Lowe's Innovation Labs. Right? Exactly. And it's, it's, they say uh, in the show notes here, you have that it's a um, development partnership. And I'm not sure if you already mentioned this, but between Lowe's Innovation Labs and Silicon Valley's fellow robots. And I think that's the that's the actual website I was on before, the fellow robots. So. Yeah, Lo- it seems like a local thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It seems like a local thing. And I think, look, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of experiments with retailers with different technologies, uh, different things, as we saw with Nordstrom, Nordstrom and uh, J. Crew, uh, experiments of, of trying to find a way to, let's say, create a better experience, whether it's an old tried and true method of expansion strategies, right, which are very tactical, or perhaps through technology like a robot uh and then you kind of have to see what sticks it's a very gray area right now for retailers so i think it's really interesting uh to keep tabs on what's going on and we'll we'll continue to see i think more developments like this will everything stick no but they're trying yeah 
and, it, and again, it's all, it seems like the theme of a lot of the stuff we talk about on this show is using technology um, to, to kind of boost that, that experience, right? That customer experience, whatever that might be, because that seems to be the only way lately that, you know, one real retailer can differentiate from another or to really boost their, you know, to boost their efforts, to make it so that whatever they're doing is scalable and whatever they're doing is going to, um, it's going to have a positive effect in the end is, is, is boosting that experience some one way or another. And like in the case of, you know, in the case of Lowe's, it's a robot in the case of, um, uh, J crew, it's adjusting, it's adjusting their, their store types they're opening and partnering with an unconventional, um, wholesale type situation. And, and, and with Walmart, they're, they're moving accountants to floor positions. So it's, <laughs> You know, we're, we're going to have to see how this keeps going, but it's, you know, it seems like the theme of this, this episode was, was towards, uh, customer experience and maybe unconventional ways to, to boost that. Exactly. Cause you have to be creative in this type of environment. I mean, you could only, uh, the, the traditional levers, uh, Tad, what you're, what you're saying, Todd is they used to be the traditional levers. Okay. So we're, we're going to compete on design. Okay, fine. Um, that's, you could only change design so much, mm -hmm. right? Then the other way to compete through innovation was through the textiles, right? Which is also part of design. So you have innovative fabrics and textiles. And I think that that might be something interesting to explore in the future is wearable technology, uh, within apparel. Cause that seems to be a place where there's a lot of, um, let's say new innovations coming up. Uh, but again, we've yet to see yeah. whether that'll stick or not. Yeah, definitely the infant stages of that. That's for sure. I mean, <clears throat> the uh, wearable technology right now seems to be just watches, right? I mean, it's 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 the obvious, but it'll be interesting to see how that extends into into textiles, like you said, and uh, and how retailers adopt that. But that seems like we got a while, right? A few years. Yeah. 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 Although yeah. The, for for it to be scaled into retailers, yes, yes. absolutely. But there are some interesting designers that would make be do 3D printing into textiles and a lot of smart textiles, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the change um, with with uh, do things according to varying weather patterns, right? Right. The, right. But again, it, it, it's not scaled, so it's pretty much in its early stages, as you're saying. Yeah, I saw something about um, some type of wearable tech. It's technically wearable tech and it's clothing that has essentially battery type filaments in it. And by walking, using the friction, your clothes rubbing against each other, right? You know, when you're walking, your arms rubbing against your, you know, one piece of fabric is rubbing against the other. That's creating a charge of some sort. And it uh, essentially becomes, you become a mobile charger um, for your phone. That's, that's <laughs> an example. So... I, yeah, it might be a little bit too much electricity for some people, but uh, it sounds interesting, and that's that seems to be a one one angle to go down for uh, some of this wearable tech. Who knows what'll actually be useful, though, right? Exactly. And it, again, the jury's out. There's yeah. a lot of experimentation. I think it's good to experiment, and yeah. there are only going to be a handful of of innovations that say that actually uh, become part of our standard repertoire of of items. Let's say. Agreed. Agreed. Well, that's a show that is episode four. Um, that was a that was a fun conversation. And thank you everyone for listening. And if you have any uh, questions, comments, feedback, show suggestions, topics we should cover, please email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. That's all one word, brickdatacast. And you can also find us uh, brickdatacast.com. That's our new home. 
just got that up this past week. Um, you can also find us from a an RSS perspective on your favorite uh, on your favorite players, including iTunes, Google Play Music, and uh, and Stitcher. And if, if again, if you have any ideas on where else we should be that we're not, let us know, and we'll make sure to get up there. So that's the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Jose, thank you, and have a good long weekend. And we'll see everybody next week. Great. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.